But we're going to start a new series today, When Life Surprises You. And we're going to be taking a look at a number of different characters in the Bible when life blindsided them. And yet God turned that surprise into a better surprise. Now to get us there today, I want you to visualize in your mind that you are fishing on a lake. You got that? Except this lake is in northern Israel 2,000 years ago. Get that in your mind. Today, we're going to take a look at when life surprises you vocationally. Because we live in a broken world, oftentimes we are blindsided, are we not? You can have problems, trials, difficulties, failures that just come out of nowhere. Those surprises may be financial or health or relational. Sometimes you have multiple surprises. That's why James says, count it all joy, brothers, when you encounter various trials. In this series, we're going to take a look at how God helped these people to overcome those surprises to be the better surprise. And we're going to start by looking at our vocations. There were some guys who were professional fishermen who were failing miserably until they turned to Jesus. Now I'm sure that there aren't very many of us here that are professional fishermen, but if you have ever felt discouraged at your job, at your career, in your vocation, if you've ever put your heart and soul into something and it just failed, You chose a good Sunday to be at church. Now, none of the fishing stories that you have ever heard growing up match this one in Luke chapter 5. This story revolves around Jesus' second miracle. He is in his early ministry. This miracle happens on the Lake of Galilee or the Sea of Galilee. It is a miracle where he actually calls his first disciples to follow him. Let me give you a little bit more background. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew are not disciples yet. They are just professional businessmen with a fishing business in northern Israel on the Lake of Galilee, or the Sea of Galilee, or the Lake of Genesaret, or the Sea of Tiberias. It's the same lake, just with different names, just like our roads, LBJ or 635, okay? At this point in the story, these guys are not followers of Jesus. They are professional businessmen who have, had, who have been up all night with no luck in catching fish. The fish aren't biting. They're going through tough times. They're not making any profits whatsoever. They have been up all night. And early in the morning, after they've been up for 10 hours, they are coming ashore with nothing to show from it. They are tired. They are discouraged. They are worn out. Jesus comes along and he is teaching the masses. He comes up to them and asks to borrow one of their boats as a platform 
to share the good news. Let's pick up the story at this point. Luke chapter 5, 1 through 3. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that is Peter to us, Simon, and asked him to put, on, put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Why did Jesus ask to borrow their boat? Well, there are a lot of reasons. One of them was that it was a strategic move on Jesus' part in regards to communication. Water is an amplifier of sound. But the other reason is that Jesus is about to choose these four gentlemen as his first disciples and he has a plan to do a miracle, a miracle that they could relate to as fishermen. A fishing miracle. Verse four and following. After Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, now launch out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now folks, these guys are professional fishermen. And Simon says, we have been working hard all night. We haven't caught anything. We haven't sold anything. We've made no deals. We've gotten no new contracts whatsoever. You can hear the discouragement in his voice. Sometimes that happens to us in life, doesn't it? You give it your best shot, and you come up short. I've worked hard all my life, and this is what I get for it? You're kidding me. Sometimes you hang in your marriage. It's a struggle. You read books, you go to counselors, you try to make it work, but guess what? It doesn't. Sometimes you do what you think is right in your job, in your career. You make the right decision. You believe God is behind that decision, but it doesn't work out. Life has just surprised you. The fact is, this miracle has a lot to teach us about surprises, because the reality is this, is it not? We are all fishing for something. Sometimes we're fishing for approval. I just want people to love me. Sometimes we're fishing for security. I just want to be safe. I just want to have enough. Sometimes we're fishing for significance. I just, I just want to have a meaningful life. Sometimes we're fishing for a spouse. Folks, there's nothing wrong with fishing. What are you fishing for? Because we're all fishing for something. When these fishermen do what Jesus tells them to do, 
they receive a better surprise. They are blessed beyond what their minds can even absorb. And their lives are changed forever. And so Jesus uses Simon Peter's boat as a platform to speak the good news. And after he finishes speaking, he tells them to launch out into deeper water. And the Bible goes on and says this. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners, James and John, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats to full with fish they had be, that they fish that they began to sink. Folks, that is a fishing story. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I've told some big ones that I caught that were this big. Here's the point. They caught more fish in 10 minutes than they did in 10 hours when they did it Jesus' way. Folks, this is how you turn a surprise of life into a better surprise. This better surprise is called the miracle of acceleration. They caught more fish in 10 minutes than they did in 10 years. Now when you and I understand the better surprise of the miracle of acceleration, guess what? you're not gonna worry about timing ever again. Never. You're not gonna worry about it. It may be one month, it may be uh, two months, it may be one year, it may be two years without any results. But guess what? It doesn't matter because God can turn on the faucet just like that. That is, if you do it Jesus' way. So what does this story teach us about doing things Jesus' way? Well, the first thing that we learn from Peter, James, and John, and Andrew that you and I need to do is this. I must give Jesus complete access to my business. If I want to go from emptiness To overflowing, I've got to give Jesus access to my business. Take a look at Luke 5, verse 3. And Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Will you write this down? I must get Jesus in my boat. This is the starting point. You have got to get Jesus in your boat. You got to get him in your business. You got to get him in your job. You got to get him in your your career. You got to get him in your vocation. You've got to get Jesus in your boat. Now, notice this that everything is the same in this story. They're at the same lake, in the same boat, with the same nets, and the same fishermen. In fact, the same fish are still in the Sea of Galilee, okay? The only difference between nothing and overflowing abundance is that Jesus is now in 
their boat. Do you think getting Jesus in your boat will make a difference in your career, in your job, in your vocation? Absolutely, folks. It is a game changer. You have got to give Jesus access into your vocation. Now, when this happens to these disciples, guess what? God is now with them. They're not fishing alone by themselves. Their business has a master in control. Now, let's apply this to our lives. What's your boat? It's what you make a living at. It's how you support yourself. And Peter gives Jesus his boat, his livelihood, how he supports himself. What's your boat? You see, what does it mean to have Jesus in your boat? I want you to listen very, very carefully. It means that you dedicate your career, your job, your vocation to him. Your job goes to God. You're, 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 you give what you do to make a living, you give it to him. This is not about salvation. Folks, you and I can give, you and I can have Jesus in our lives. We can be heaven bound, and yet we, at the same time, may have not given him our jobs, our careers, our livelihoods. You have trusted God for your salvation. You come to church on Sunday and you praise the Lord, but on Monday, you don't take him with you to work. And so you don't have Jesus in your boat. You don't have him in your boat. You haven't given him a platform for ministry and missions. To give Jesus your boat, you've got to dedicate it to him. You've got to come to him and say, God, I am dedicating my career, my job, my vocation to you. When Peter did this, he gets blessed with an incredible blessing. Now, oftentimes, we think, God, you first help me to be successful, and then I'll serve you. That's wrong. It's the exact opposite. God wants to use your lack of success first as you serve him to set you up to be successful. Life surprises truly are to set you up so that you offer to God only what you have, which is very little. And serving him so as to help you be successful. Think about this story. Peter had fished all night long and he had caught nothing. 
So how is he going to go from nothing to something? He lets Jesus get into his boat and he allows Jesus to use it as a platform to minister to other people. Folks, that is the order. It is not, God, make me successful first and then I will serve you. No, give me what you've got, as little as you have. Serve me first and see if I don't multiply it. It is the exact opposite of the way that we typically think. Question, what do you want God to bless in your life? Whatever you want God to bless in your life, you must give it to him first. If you want God to bless your time, you must give him the first part of your day in the morning, reading the Bible. I call it a quiet time, five, ten minutes. If you want God to bless your week, you must give him the first part of the week. That's Sunday, coming to church and worshiping with a spiritual family. If you want God to bless your money, you must give him the first part of your income. If you want God to bless your work, what this story teaches us is that you must give him access to your boat, to use it as a platform to minister to other people. You've got to come to God and you've got to say, my marketplace makes me a missionary. I am a missionary disguised as a nurse. I'm a missionary disguised as an accountant. I'm a missionary disguised as a CEO. I'm a missionary disguised as a professor in college. I'm giving God my career. Now some people try to change everything First, to become successful in order to serve God. But remember in this story, nothing changed. It's the same boat. It's the same nets. It's the same lake. It's the same location. They didn't try to change their marriages or anything like that. They just needed to get Jesus in the boat. The second thing that this story teaches us that you and I need to do as well is that I must admit that my efforts aren't working. Take a look at Luke chapter 5, 4 and 5. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now launch out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Do you realize how hard that was for Peter to say that? Folks, he's a pro. He's a professional. He's been doing this all of his life. These guys know how to fish. But guess what? Sometimes even the professionals don't catch anything. Even when you're experienced at something for years and years and years that you've been doing in your career, you can fish all night and guess what? Still not close a deal. Still not make that sale. Peter is humbling himself here. 
Folks, for Peter not to catch any fish, it would be like LeBron James not making a basket, okay, in a basketball game. It's a humbling thing. But sometimes your best efforts aren't enough, are they? Sometimes there are situations that are out of your control. You can't control the economy. You can't control the demographics. You can't control the weather. You can't control other people or disease or your aging process. Most of life is out of our control, isn't it? So what do you do? You get Jesus in your boat. You dedicate your job, your career, your vocation to him. You admit that what you're doing isn't working. Now, why do we have such a hard time with that latter one? I think it's a number of reasons, to be honest with you. I, I, I think there's three. I think there's pride. I think there's stubbornness. But mostly, I think it's fear. We're afraid that, you know what, if I tell people I'm not catching fish, <laughs> they're going to think less of me. Or maybe we're afraid that if we put Jesus in our boat, he might take it off into a different direction. A direction that I really don't want to go in. Or maybe, maybe we're afraid that he'll make us a fanatic and we'll start talking really weird. Jesus, praise the Lord. When we say God's name, God. He's going to turn us into some kind of fanatic. But whether it is pride or stubbornness or fear, the second step is to admit that it isn't working. Now here's the third step. The, if you want to see nothing turned into something, if you want to see a surprise of life that blindsides you into a better surprise, you need to do whatever Jesus tells you to do. You got to get him in your boat. You got to admit, you know what, I don't have it all together. And then three, you've got to do whatever Jesus tells you to do, even if it seems illogical, even if it appears foolish, even if it sounds stupid. You've got to obey what God tells you to do, even if it doesn't makes sense financially, emotionally, relationally. Take a look at Luke chapter five and verse five. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Will you circle the phrase, because you say so, I will. That is the third key of bringing a surprise into a better surprise. Trusting the word of God. Because you say so, Lord, I will. Not because I'm smart. Not because I'm popular. Not because I'm rational. Not because I can afford it. No, I'm going to do what you say because guess what? I'm because you say so, person. Now notice in this story that Jesus is not only in the boat. 
But now he's beginning to give instructions. And notice on top of that how Peter responds. Peter doesn't argue with him, does he? He he doesn't say, I've just observed something, Jesus. You are a carpenter. I am a professional fisherman. You know wood. I know fish. What are you talking about, dude? Ain't no way in the world. Let me ask you a question. Have you, er- have you ever arrogantly thought that you know more about your job than Jesus does? Have you ever thought that you know more about your plans, your dreams, your aspirations for your career than Jesus does? Think about that. Peter doesn't hesitate. He doesn't delay. He obeys instantly. And on top of that, he doesn't listen to his feelings. He had been up all night, right? Ten hours. Come to the shore early in the morning. Worn out, tired, discouraged. And he doesn't listen to his feelings. Jesus, I'm tired. I just don't feel like going back out fishing. You ever said that to yourself? God's telling you to do something, and you say, well, I just don't feel like doing it. Do you understand that maturity is doing things that you don't feel like doing? All the time. He doesn't do any of those things. Instead, he gives Jesus unquestioned obedience. Because you say so, Lord, I will. And remember, at this point in time, Jesus is not a follower, or uh, Peter is not a follower of Jesus. This is his first experience with this guy named Jesus. Folks, God will bless your life if you become, because you say so, I will, type of person. Lord, you know what? This just doesn't make sense to me. But because you say so, I will. Question. What has God told you to do this year? Already, 19 days into it, that you haven't done yet. I know we need to join the church family. You do. Even with a pastor being promoted to membership. I'm going to take the membership class over again. I wrote it, but I'll take it again anyway. What has God told you to do that you haven't done yet? Get baptized? Get involved in a small group? We're getting ready to do a big campaign. Time to dream. Right here. March 15th. You don't want to miss it. This is going to be stellar. Whatever God tells you to do, say, because you say so, I will. And when you do that, God will give you a vision for your life, for your career, for your job that will just blow your mind. And that vision will come in three phases. Notice Jesus' calling of Peter, that it happened in three 
phases, the when, the what, and the where. You need to wait for all three of those. First, Jesus says to Peter, launch out now. That's the when. Then, Peter, then Jesus says to Peter, let down your nets. That's the what. And then finally, Jesus tells him, into deep water. That's the where. Jesus tells Peter to let down his net in deep water. Why? Because that's where the big fish are at. The big fish aren't in the shallows. The big fish are in the deep part of the sea. Let me just say this. In 40 years of ministry, I have discovered that most people live their lives in the shallows of life. They live their life in the baby end of the pool. And they're there long enough that it bugs them, but not, but, but not enough to go further into the pool that will bless them. They live superficial lives, afraid to go deeper. And yet, it's at the deep end that the rushes of life flood in. I will never forget I knew how to swim. I stayed on the side where there was the, the, the rope that went into the deep end where I could touch my toes. You remember that when you were taking swimming lessons? And I would watch the people on the, on the board, diving board, the, the high dive. Sugar Creek, Missouri, I'll never forget it. And they were jumping in. And I knew how to swim. I knew that if I went over that line, it goes down like that. One day I said, you know what? I'm gonna go for it. And I got out of the pool, I got in line, and I got up on the board, and I'm on the end of the board, you know, and it's kind of waving, and, and I jumped in. And the rush came in. And I did it again and again and again and again. Why is it that you and I don't do that? I, I really believe that it's because we value security over significance. And yet it's going for the significant things that gives us the biggest rush in life. You see, God loves you right where you are. There's no ifs, ands, buts about that. But he loves you too much for you to stay there. And so he's always urging you, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. And yes, it is scary to go deep. When I was on that board, folks, I was scared to death. But after I did it, the rush came in and said, it was worth it, God. And for 40 years of ministry, I've been jumping off into the deep end. Why? Because I want to be, because you say so, I will. Now finally, notice the fourth thing that Peter, James, and John, and Andrew did. It's, it's something that you and I have to do as well. First, we've got to give Jesus access to our boat. Secondly, we've got to admit, hey, things aren't working the way I wanted them to work. Third, I've got to do whatever Jesus tells me to do. But fourthly, I must expect Jesus to turn things around. This is the faith factor. 
Now follow me with this. If God tells you to go fishing, and he says, I want to get in your boat, and he tells you where to fish at, do you think that you're going to come up with empty nets? I don't think so. My guess is Peter is anticipating a huge haul here. As he begins to pull up those fish, his mind is just blown. Oh my goodness, look how big and huge this haul of fish is. And all of a sudden, his fatigue, his fear, his frustrations are gone like that. He's no longer afraid. Why? Because he's got the very presence of God in his boat. He's got God in his career. He's got God in his job. He's got God in his vocation. And follow me with this as well. If God created the fish of the sea, he can command those fish to be where he wants them to be, at the right place and at the right time time. And if he can do that, guess what? He can do that for you. But you got to do it Jesus's way. Notice the results here. In Luke 5, 6 and 7. When they had done so, stop right there. When they had done what? What did they do? When they'd given Jesus control, when they admitted that that, that things weren't working out when they, did, when they were doing it the way Jesus wanted them to do it and when they were expecting things to happen, when they had done those things, God turned that surprise of life into a better surprise. Folks, you need a new perspective on your job. You need a new perspective on your career, on your vocation. You need a faith perspective. And what is that faith perspective? It is simply this, that when you go to work on Monday, you don't go to work for a company. You go to work for Jesus. You don't go to work for some, uh, for, for some college. You go to work for Jesus. You don't go to work for some big five accounting firm. You go to work for Jesus. That is the faith perspective that you have. You wake up in the morning and you say, God, I am a missionary for you in the marketplace. And I am disguised as a nurse today. And I am looking for opportunities because you are in my boat and you're going to use this as a platform to minister and to give hope to people who are desperately in need of hope. And he goes on. Oh, this text is so rich. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Folks, they had more fish than they could handle themselves. Why is that? Because God wants to, God wants to bless people. God is a good God. He, he wants to bless people so that they might even be a blessing 
to other people. And he will bless you if you do it his way. If you will do these four things. Because God wants you to know that he's God. And he wants the world to know that he's God. Notice Peter's reaction in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now remember, he's not a follower of Jesus yet. And Peter is saying here, I've blown it. I've got faults, failures, and fumbles. I'm a sinner, and you're not. You're Lord. I don't deserve the blessings that you have given me. You're God, and I'm not. In verse 8, For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And this is a turning point in these men's lives. It was a turning point for Peter and James and John and Andrew. What is the bigger lesson of this story for you and I? Look at verse 10 and 11. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. What does that mean? It means that the bigger surprise here isn't about fish. It is not about money or possessions or success. The better surprise is that you get to discover what your purpose in life, your purpose for your job, for your vocation, for your career is. And it's not about catching fish and accumulating fish so that I have security. Rather, it is about significance. Jesus is about ready to call these men to follow him 100%. And he is teaching them, you can trust me. I will take care of you. And if you follow me, I will teach you how to change the world. I will teach you how to change lives, how to change marriages, how to change families. I will teach you how to change corporate America. Take a look at Luke 5.10. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore and they left everything and followed Jesus. Jesus said, don't be afraid. I'm gonna take care of things. And they left everything. They're not thinking because they got this big haul of fish We're in the money, we're in the money. I'm going to follow Jesus because we're going to be in the money. No, what happened? They left the money at the boats. 
and they followed Jesus. So my question for you and I, for you and me, is which one of these are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to give up your career, your job, your vocation, and follow Jesus full time? Because that's what he did with these guys. He did that for me. I was 26 years old, married, and had three kids. Okay, God, let's jump off on the deep end. Or will you invite Jesus into your boat and let him use it as a platform to get the good news out, to minister to other people, to give them hope? Which of these two you choose do you think Peter James and John ever regretted following Jesus full-time I don't think so folks maybe God's calling you to do that he called me I don't know what God's mind is for you but which one will you choose full-time or will you allow him to use your profession as a platform Here's my challenge because it's my dream. There are 31 Fortune 500 companies in Plano, Texas. 46 companies' headquarters are here, and they're mostly right over there in this park. We're getting ready to start Time to Dream. I want to challenge anyone who's in corporate America. I want us to believe God that we will be in at least half those this spring. And if you will start a Bible study in your office, on your lunch break, not on company's time, I will give you the DVD and the kit because corporate America needs to be changed and I'm not done yet. It's your choice. So what will it be? Are we going to run through the finish line? Or are we going to slack off? I believe God has brought you here to hear this message. Because God wants to turn our surprises into better surprises. Let's pray. I don't know what God's speaking to you about right now. But I think you have some choices. And I'll start with the first one. Maybe you've never even invited Jesus into your life, let alone into your boat. Today, would you start by doing that? By just saying, God, I admit I've blown it. I've got all kinds of flops, failures, and fumbles in my life. And yeah, I've heard about you, but God, I've never dropped you from my head into my heart where I have received you and truly made you my boss. But now, God, 
I want to do that. I want to invite you into my life. And I want you to begin to clean up my life. Thank you that you're the God of all compassion, the God of all mercy, the God of all grace, the God who forgives 100% of everything 100% of the time. God, right now, I put my life into your hands. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you let me know that? Would you, would you just take your communication card, maybe give me your email address, and check the appropriate box on the back of it and throw it in the offering basket? Or maybe God's calling you, and you know it, to go into full-time ministry. Will you say yes to God to that and begin to wait and listen to the when, the what, and the where? Or maybe God is asking you to use your job as a platform for the good news. If you are, I'd like you to take your communication card and write your name and the telephone number and write on it platform and I will get with you and I'll help you to understand how you can launch one of these Time to Dream campaigns at your workplace God you're a good God you're a gracious God and I thank you that you're a God that loves us where we're at, but you call us into deeper water that we might experience you and know you in a, in a better way. And so God, we give you this. In your son's precious name we pray.